Welcome to the Inner Revolution Show, where we take a journey within to uncover the inner resources deep within our soul to transform physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. It is through this higher sense of knowing we are able to design and live our lives with purpose, compassion, and for the collective consciousness. Are you ready to start your own inner revolution? Come with me. Welcome to the Inner Revolution Show, everyone. This is Dr. Renee. Welcome back yet for another amazing week. I'm so excited for the guest this week. I'll introduce him to you here shortly. But for those of you who are new to the show, I say thank you, thank you, thank you. We are now currently, last check on the Blog Talk Radio website, we are currently in 26 countries around the world. Thank you for all of the exposure and sharing of our show to your family members and friends. And if you know anyone else that hasn't quite listened to our show just yet, feel free to share that. And we would love to keep expanding around the world. As you may know, the purpose of the inner revolution is to go deep within ourselves and discover those things within us, spiritually, physically, emotionally, that we need to do a little bit more work in. And this show exposes you to a variety of experts in all of those areas in which you can develop fully. Today's guest is a very, very special one. I met him on Instagram as I seem to meet all of these amazing people. And he is motivating and inspiring the world and really making a difference for individuals with disabilities. And who am I talking about? I'm talking about Colin Potts. And Colin Potts has a very interesting story. He was one who found his purpose through pain, as many of us do. And by the time that he was 30, He had lost his grandparents, his parents, and two siblings, and then went into 21 surgeries in 17 years, ultimately ending in an amputation. But that didn't stop Colin. Positivity has really been his foundation and the core that has catapulted him into the world to make such a huge difference. He talks about how much he loves life. He is the creator and founder of this positivity movement that we're going to talk about today. And he wants people to really learn from their lessons and to live the best life that they possibly can, no matter what the limitations are. So I'm going to go ahead and welcome Colin to the show. Colin, can you hear me? Yes, I sure can. Thank you so much. It's, it's absolutely a pleasure to be on and to, and to meet you. Oh, it is so nice to have you. I know we have been trying to get this, you know, arranged for a little bit. And so I apologize for all of my busyness and in my life, but I I knew there was a special time for you on the show and this is it. And over the next month, actually, I'm going to be showcasing quite a few individuals with, um, what we would have labeled as disabilities and limitations way back when, but now I see them as gifts and um, sensitivities mm-hmm. into the world is what I always remind the kids that I work with. So can you talk a little bit to our listeners who may not be familiar with you, just a little bit about what happened to you and sort of where you are right now um, in relation to your health? Sure. Uh, it was really interesting. Back in 2000, I had an accident and um uh, it didn't seem like it was going to be a big deal with uh, my left foot, and mm-hmm. and slowly um, I kept having more and more problems, and 
and started having more and more surgeries. And so there weren't the specialty programs for foot and ankle back in the day. It was pretty, you went to your general orthopedic surgeon who took care of everything when you got hurt. And, um, and then the, the surgeries kept continuing. Um, and, you know, it was influencing what I was doing at work. I was a chef and, and then finally had to leave that. And so over a period of time, it, the, the surgeries mounted, you know, with fusions and uh, all kinds of nerve issues and, uh, and multiple screws, plates, and everything to really try to correct this, uh, the foot because I was, I, was so, I was young, I wanted to be active, I love life, I love being out, I love traveling. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wait, what is all these things that's slowing me down? Yeah. So, so then we just kept going because I was looking for that answer of, okay, I, this has got to be the last surgery. And so I was going to the kind of the who's who's doctors up and down the East Coast of, you know, for foot and ankle. And, and uh, each one would fix something, but that would create another problem. So in the sense they're fixing, but the pebble in the, in the kind of the proverbial water created a wave somewhere else down the road. So uh, finally, um, I had uh, the last uh, four of 21 surgeries at the Hospital for Special Surgery in New York, uh, which is in the limb saving business. And so I was like, okay, this has got to be the place it's going right. to be there. Uh, so I did you know, a little bit well for one little small period of time, but then really started to fall again. And December of 2015, I had surgery number 20. And I remember saying to the doctor, I was like, okay, please don't wake me up and tell me I have to have surgery 21. And I was like, I don't think I'll ever say this to a doctor again. Please do whatever you have to. If you see something, fix it. Yeah. And so um, it was eight, uh, it was an eight hour surgery. And he woke me up and he's like, we had to do a lot. And uh, mm-hmm. he's like, I'm not quite sure how this is all going to work out. So they casted me for six months. And when they took the cast off, they, um, my foot tripled in size and the pain level was a nine ten every day. Oh. And it was, it, I felt pain before, but nothing quite like this. And I certainly didn't want to go down the opioid side. And so you right. just invert it. And, um, but it was hard because I was, I was losing my energy early in the days and still smiling through it all, which is great, but it was the quality of life was really, you know, struggling and it was hard to concentrate at work. And, uh, you have to put your foot up on the desk with pillows for hours at a time and mm-hmm. just to try to get through a day. Okay. Uh, and then August of 2016, um, I went back up and I wasn't walking. I was on crutches and um, I was in a boot and uh, walked in and he looks at me, a very stoic, older school uh, orthopedic surgeon. And he says, the only thing we can do left is amputate. And so all of a sudden, every ounce of air got sucked out of my body. It was just, I couldn't breathe because I, I thought about 21, 20 surgeries and I'm a real optimist. I, I just, always look at the positive and like, wait a minute, we've spent all this time and all this uh, rehab and all the things I was doing to get to a point where I was going to be able to thrive again. And now all of a sudden you hear it's the ultimate stopper. So, uh, so it, it really, it, it hit hard. And then I went downstairs and I called my wife and um, I'm like, Ann, um, she's like, what do they think? And I said, the amputation. So she hangs up. So I'm laughing now, but I was like, well, this isn't starting out so well. Right. I, in terms she must of, have been in shock, right? I mean, just, yeah. yeah. And going up the trip that day, I knew it wasn't going to be good, but I wasn't quite expecting that. And yeah. I, I referred to the trip. I was taking the train from uh, Baltimore to Washington. 
or Baltimore to New York. And um, it was like the heart of darkness. Joseph Conrad mm-hmm. was going up the river and every mile seemed like 20 miles and every hour seemed. And so you, it was all kind of building in, in, in terms of when I got up there. So, you know, I quickly rebounded, you know, in terms of because when I faced adversity, the first thing I do is want to educate myself. So I had my moments to be kind of down about it, but then all of a sudden that's not me to stay down. I, I'm like, all right, what do I have to do? What's my job now to pick myself up to go? Yeah. I'm not going to allow this to, to knock me over. And so that's what I did. So educated, went and saw the prosthetist, actually held the prosthetic, which I'd never seen. And it was yeah. kind of the elephant in the room. And it was like, okay, this is my life now. And it's going to be my life. Uh, so we got ready for surgery and that was December 1 of 2016. And you know, the day came and for the first time I was, you know, thinking about it, it as like every surgery I've come out with a foot. And then um, I asked if I could walk into surgery one last time. I could barely walk. But I was like, I wanted to sense that and know that and be able to remember that. Yeah. And uh, so it was, it was very emotional. And uh, unfortunately, with so many surgeries there, I knew all the staff in the OR and, and all the nurses, they're all crying. Everyone's crying like, oh, God, you know, you're, you're going into this. Uh, but they were deeply caring and, and, and just were, I think they were sad for me that we're at this point. So get through surgery and I woke up and the very first thing I said was, I want to walk. And they're like, you can't get out of bed, Colin. You cannot do this right now. Don't do this. And I'm like, nope, I want to walk. So I took three steps with a walker that afternoon and then five later that night. And then every day from there was one more step, one more activity to get my life back. And I was going to fight, and I did fight. And so to fast forward, I got my first prosthesis in February, March of 2017. And in one year was walking, running, swimming. We're in a 5K. And now I'm training for the Paralympic trials. So. It was just that constant, I wasn't going to get knocked down. I, I, was, I got knocked down, but I was going to pick myself up and go because I love life. And, you know, I see so many people struggle with that. But I was determined and the determination has paid off in so many ways and back in life thriving again. Yeah. Now, where do you think that you got that determination from? Do you feel that that was always innately with you since you were very young? Or do you I think like that's something you kind of acquired over time? I think it's a little bit of both. Um, it was funny. My mother, they always asked my mother if I was always this positive when I was little. And she said, yeah, I never had to pick him up, you know, being the youngest of eight, because all she would do is stand in the crib and wave to everyone <laughs> smile and everyone would just be like, I want to pick him up. Yeah. So, uh, so I think it was, I was kind of born that way. But then the other part of the story of, you know, losing so much and losing parents and grandparents and siblings at such a young age, it got knocked down. And, and really at those points in our life, we have a choice. We have a choice in how we want to move forward. And, and really, sometimes that's the only thing we can control, you know, in, in, in terms of that choice of how we're going to deal with adversity and how we're going to move forward. And every time I got knocked down, I was, it, it was never easy, especially loss of loved ones and uh, that. But I always felt like, tomorrow is a new day. It's a rebirth. It's, 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 there's too much to live for in every given day. And I don't know, I think it probably a combination of the two things. Yeah. And, and we know scientifically that some of us are hardwired more with grit and resilience and others, you know, we, a lot of neuropsychology and biology have sort of demonstrated that to us, that some of us are just more fortunate that way, but that ultimately too, these things can be cultivated, can be learned, 
can mm -hmm. be shaped, you know, over time if we don't have that. So talk to me a little bit about your experience after the amputation. Um, what were people's reactions, responses to you? Um, how did they sort of adapt? As I would imagine, you know, your wife must have been very concerned and, and, mm -hmm. and cared greatly, but it's not an easy thing to have to adjust to, I'm sure. That's, that's a really great question. Um, for her, I know it was, we couldn't stay on the continued path of surgeries. And, you know, it was just getting to that point where, you know, you think about uh, 13 tendon replacements, 16 yeah. screws, two plates, three fusions, uh, nine nerve resections. You just think about the pain and then rebuilding and the pain and rebuilding. And, you know, the quality of life was just going down every time. So mm -hmm. she was supportive of it's time to go in a different direction. Yeah. Um, now, the others around me, I think the hardest thing was I lost just about 90% or more of my friends and a good amount of my family just just walked away. And mm -hmm. I think that was the most shocking thing to me. And I really had to dig deep because, you know, I was sensitive towards that because you're always there for other people. They're here right. for your friends. And then all of a sudden it's like, Colin's going to be different and we don't understand it. So we're just going to walk away. And so there was a lot. It was a really probably the darkest point of the whole journey in the sense but then you know you have to dig deep in those situations and believe in yourself and and that's where it's like I don't care if people are going to say I'm never going to walk again and and you're never going to do this and you're never going to do that and um and that just ended up being great motivation after because yeah. it continued to happen but I think you know it's hard for people if you don't have that inner strength because when your support network around starts to fall apart quickly really quickly it's like okay how am i going to get through this and how am i going to navigate and that's where i think it's kind of the dubious honor of all the experience i had had at such a young age but i also believed in myself and knew i could get through anything because i'd been knocked down so many times and gotten up so many times but this was a little bit different because people were looking at me different and it was also you know I would tell people just look in my eyes you know it's I'm the same guy I'm a better guy yeah. uh, just don't look down if it, it bothers you but it, it's really amazing how people still to this day really struggle with Colin's a different guy <laughs> in the sense of wow. just that physical uh, attribute so um, so it's been a really the hardest part of the process for sure yeah, it's amazing. And I know we spoke with us about this prior, but, mm -hmm. you know, the new generation of kids and, and mm -hmm. how sensitive and open they are to all of these differences in the world. They are raised to understand that these things exist and to not be afraid of them. And, you know, I, I remember telling you the story in past about my daughter. You know, she has a girl who dances in her school. Mm -hmm. um, who um, lost a leg. I think it was due to um, a birth defect or something. She, she was born, but then they had to amputate later. Um, right. And then there's another girl who was just born with, you know, um, half a limb and, and goes to school with my children and things mm -hmm. like that. And nobody talks badly. Nobody picks on them. Nobody mm -hmm. thinks anything about them. They encourage them and motivate them. So I'm hopeful that we are turning the tide a bit um, in the younger generations. I think older individuals tend to have that limited mindset of, oh, something must not be okay. And right. they don't quite know how to process that, you know? And so that's really interesting, you know, to kind of hear that story. I'm sorry for you that people walked away from you and, and yeah. treated you that way. Um, you know, the other, gained, oh, go ahead. I gained, yeah, I gained so many new friends, you know, through the process. Yeah. And, you know, so quickly, I just, I didn't worry about it as much. And, and I knew it'd be okay. And it's really interesting you talk about kids. Kids are great. 
Um, they're so inquisitive because I have four different legs and you know, I have a running blade, a regular uh, walking uh, foot that you wouldn't know. And then I have a weightlifting foot. So when the kids see these things, they're like intrigued. So they look and they're at a restaurant and they come closer and then they jump back in their seat. And it's uh -huh. great. So what I try to do is I try to put it on their level and I'm just like, look, I'm a transformer. And as soon oh, as you cool. say something like that, they get, they, they dive right in and they're like, can I touch it? I'm like, sure. You know, like, can you run fast? Yeah, I can run really fast. And, <laughs> and so it kind of normalizes it for them. But what in through that process also, it teaches their parents. And that's where I see the real value of people opening people's eyes to, you know, what the world is. And, and it's, it's okay to talk about and it's okay to embrace and accept. So it's yeah. a great conduit to, new conversations with adults and that's really exciting for any opportunity I get to do that yeah I love the transformer do you have a special transformer name I mean bumblebee was my favorite but like do you have a name no that's something I'm gonna have to come up with uh <laughs> in terms of that but it's uh each one is so different I probably could have multiple names yeah exactly <laughs> running blade could be one I mean that sounds yeah. super cool yeah. right like it's own little transformer name yeah. And the weightlifting foot is a shock absorber. A company makes shock absorbers, and that's even more high tech looking. So that really gets nice. kids this purple excitement and jumping. So sounds fantastic. Well, let's talk a little bit about why you're here. So you are starting the Positivity Revolution. Tell us right. what that is. So part of the, the you know, the experience of losing uh, the friends and, and people. Um, and then just some of the things that initially were said to me, I was like, oh, it can't be a big deal. And and then all of a sudden I realized it was more pervasive about people just saying kind of really nasty things. And I was at a, a post office in Potomac, Maryland on a Saturday morning and wearing my reading blade. And this gentleman, I was going to the post office box, he kind of lunged back. And when you wear the running blade, you spring off of it. I'm kind of like Tigger, you know, right. I, yeah. I kind of bounce. And, I've seen and that. And so, um, so I almost hit him and then he turns around and calls me an effing freak and just starts this tirade that he's embarrassed to see me and why am I in this world? Why do I have to wow. see that? I shouldn't have to do this. And I, my heart was crushed because I, I was so marginalized. I mean, I had felt hurt before, but you know, I'm a white male and I, I had seen discrimination, but I'd never felt it. And so for the first time, it was I was so demoralized because it, it actually, it just marginalized me, and I never felt that before, and I couldn't shake it. And so I looked at the guy. I was like, finally, I was like, look, you need to go home and look at yourself in the mirror. I don't know who you are, but you need to just go do that and understand who you are as a person, and is this the kind of person you want to be? Wow! Well, and did, you said that to him. Yes. Oh, and that, good for you. Yeah, good for you. that didn't go over so well, but uh, <laughs> but it, but it ended the conversation abruptly. But mm -hmm. I think what it did is really woke my uh, woke me up to and opened my eyes to a world that I was disappointed in. Yeah. And so the positivity revolution is: hey, I'm just positive and send out a positivity Wednesday text to over three thousand people a week, and then it goes on social media, just to help people recenter in terms of positivity. So that that's part of it. But it's also so that we go out as people, and you know we start having dialogue about 
the moral fabric of this country and why it's so important that it's not Republican, it's not Democrat, it's, it's nothing political, it's not white, black, Hispanic. It is just an issue of how we treat each other in this world and restoring the moral fabric. And so raising awareness for people with disabilities and amputees is really important, but raising the awareness of how we treat each other and how we live in this world because it, no one should feel that hurt and no one should ever be that marginalized. It's just, that's not what we're in the world and on this earth to do. So for me to raise the dialogue, to, to have those discussions with people, it's time because the moral fabric, it's not the country that I feel like we should be in, in, in that sense. And, and I feel like so many people get marginalized. So many people are hurt. So many people don't go out. And I know a lot of amputees, one of the things that we say is, uh, you know, don't go home, live, but they're scared to go out and what that's going to be like for them and that real hurt. So they kind of shelter in. So can only imagine throughout the world and how many people are in that same position. So for me to raise that dialogue and to, to raise that question and those thoughts and, and that we actually really challenge each other to make a change. And it all starts with us. It starts with each of us every day of, of how we, we interact with the people around us. And if we can get everyone, it sounds so cliche, but it's so true, do one random act of kindness, and you really make that part of your life, and you make positivity a part of your life, you're going to help and inspire so many people and raise these questions to make this world a better place for all of us. But it, it's, this is human rights, and this is, this is as basic as it gets. And I just feel like it's, it's something that's so important to me after feeling something so hurtful. And I still to this day will never, I don't think I'll ever shake it, um, which is good because it always reminds me of A, how far I've come, but also to make sure I talk to people about what we, what we can do to be better people in this world. Yeah. And I think many times people don't even realize that they're getting stuck in negativity, that they are espousing it, breeding it, perpetuating it all throughout, right? It's just, this is all I know. This is how I think. This is how I was raised. This is how the people around me are. And they start to not even realize they lose their sensitivity to that and, and just start kind of getting irritated by positivity when it's mm -hmm. present with them. I noticed that. And the other thing, which I think your movement is so timely because, you know, we're under constant shootings in this country, children mm -hmm. engaging in violence, um, hate crimes simply because of people's religion or race mm -hmm. or differences. And like you said, it really is a human nature aspect of kindness. I remember when um, Ellen was being awarded her award and she said, mm -hmm. Why am I getting this? I'm just doing what every person should do, which is to be kind right. to other human beings, right? Exactly. And so what are you doing as far as the, the speaking engagements, things like that, that you're getting out into the community and those kinds of things? What type of topics are you talking about that are making an impact now? So it's really interesting. Um, I always start with, you know, everyone wants to hear about the amputation. And so I speak a lot about that. And and, and a lot of the groups right now is motivating people to live their lives and get back out on their feet. And I had a really interesting speech to uh, a group, a large group of elderly amputees who were mostly sedentary in wheelchairs and, and with walkers. And it was like, well, how do you, how are you, how am I going to motivate them? I can be rah-rah to anyone, but I'm like, I'm not sure rah-rah is going to really, you know, <laughs> kind of go with this. And, and they're going to be like, who's this guy? So it's really funny. I challenge people to close their eyes. And I was like, think about something you haven't done in the last year, three years, five years, 
things that you love to do, things that feed your soul and get you that get you excited. Once you open your eyes, I want you to tell me why you can't do those things. Because mm-hmm. I said, if you want to do these things, you can do it. And I'm going to give you the path on how to, how to do this. But you need to commit to yourself today to go do these things. And so it was really interesting because I didn't know how is how is really going to, people are going to react. And then all of a sudden there was 40 people in line after wanting to talk to me and, wow. and really do that because they're like, I do want to live my life. And sometimes you just, I like to be a catalyst for positive change in people's lives. And then I, you start to get into the issues of the things I've seen and growing up of death of a loved one and then, you know, cancer. And I was a caregiver of uh, seeing suicide and depression. And then all of a sudden the conversations go that way uh, in terms of it. But I always finish with the positivity revolution. That's really important to me because raising that awareness. And, and at that point, asking people that be, be a part of a, that change and being that help, it seems to invigorate everyone at the end that they're a part of a process. I'm not just speaking to them. They're a part of something that will make a difference in this world. Uh, and then I'm writing a book. And um, yeah, I'm really excited about this um, because I feel like that's going to help a lot of people in the sense of what it is, is it's my background, but then it was, I was like, that's too much about Colin. So uh, I, I wanted to go more into lessons as opposed to just kind of preaching. And so the lessons are just different chapters of different things that I've seen that I want to talk about, but it, it's, it's it, it, they're building blocks. And so I want to give people something more than just a story. It's like, here's the practical things that I do. Um, you know, and, and, and for, for instance, uh, there's a chapter on tomato therapy. And people would say, well, why tomato therapy? But every year I'd had a garden. Yeah. It was a part of my life. And then three years ago, I planted in a cast. Two years ago, I planted with no leg. Last year, I got prosthesis and was doing, you know, okay but now this year I'm back driving but the whole point was to get back to something that was so important to me and and when we face adversity we close our eyes and we forget about all the things that mean something to us because yeah. uh, we're blinded by a problem and we get so sucked into the almost the negativity vortex yes so I always tell people to break out recenter yourself to get back to the things that feed your soul so tomatoes you know figuratively and literally feed you yeah. <laughs> And, uh, but on the I need some salt right now. I'm just yeah. feeling a salt shaker with a tomato. Yes, yes, yes. And so, but planting with no leg on my knees with and yeah. tomatoes was just my way of touching the earth, getting back and doing that. But the garden, one garden is about 50 yards out. The other one's probably 80 yards. So doing that on crutches, going down a hill and getting through the gate, it took some time to build the endurance to do that. But it was so, so important to me to continue to do that and and to get back to those things so I, I certainly did not um you know didn't shy away from it so the title of the book is woe is not me because what i want the lessons to be is practical building blocks i want people to feel sorry for me if anyone can learn one one thousandth from my lessons to make their life better that's just a really great day for me and and so the, the book is special because it's it's all from the heart. And yeah. um, like you're having someone help you right now. I'm like, no, because I want it to be pure right now. I want the lessons to be pure Good. before someone says, hey, you, you, you got to write it this way. It's like, no, no. And when I speak, I speak from my heart. And that's probably the best compliment I get because everyone's like, well, you should try this or try this. I'm like, I am who I am. And I, I have my story and you know, I have my heart. And I don't want to give my heart up in any of this process. 
Oh, I love that tomato therapy. That is fantastic. And it made me hungry, honestly. But, you know, yeah. I love that. And, and the way that you beautifully described your transition from, you know, being trying to plant your garden, you know, and having the injury and then, you know, you know, not having a limb and then having the prosthesis, like I could visualize this, mm -hmm. this growth, you know, this, this beautiful evolution that you sort of have gone through. The Phoenix is kind of rising yeah. right in this yeah. space. So here's a question for you. Thinking back mm -hmm. about when the people were sort of turning away from you, kind of leaving you, um, being negative towards you. What is right. one thing that you could give advice to our listeners if they are faced with, you know, um, having to help someone through something similar, whether it's the loss of a limb or just the loss of an ability that they once had due to disease right. or something like that? What would you have liked to have heard from someone? I think the, the thing I would have liked to have heard the most was that I was the same person and, mm -hmm. and, 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 and that it, that wouldn't have had an effect um, and that I was still just, I was still Colin and I was searching for that, just that phrase, you're still Colin. And yet that phrase never yeah. came. And so it was, it, you know, if someone's going through that, just believe in yourself. It's so important that when you go through that, we need that support, but that support's not always going to be there. So that's when you really have to pick yourself up and maintain yourself and be there for yourself in the sense of you're a wonderful person as you are as an individual. Yes, we do need support, but we have that inner strength. And I challenge anyone, if you dig deep enough, you will find that inner strength if you, if, if you need to and you're facing something. And I think sometimes we sell, our, sell ourselves very short in the sense, I can't get through something. You can get through anything. And I'm a big believer. Of, for everything I've been through at such a, throughout my life, I'm a believer in that. And I challenge people. I'm like, no, you can get through this. You've got to believe it. So as soon as you, people start believing and you start seeing the progress of, of you moving through a process, you will get through anything. And slowly, what's really interesting was some of those people started to come back and I'm like, you know, I, they weren't friends. And, yeah. and then I made some really now new lifelong friends and I meet people like yourself and all these people on this journey that reinvigorate and it's people I want to be around and they're positive people and they're good yeah. people. And so there's, is, is, there's a little bit of darkness, but there's always the light in the sense of new people and, and, you know, go back to the tomatoes, it's like new growth. And so, you know, that, that whole aspect of it to me is just so important, but I, I, I would challenge anyone, you have that inner strength. You just got to tap it and you can get through anything. It's a hard, it's just kind of like walking again, one step at a time, one day at a time, and then just building back and finding one positive aspect of a day, as bad as a day, as hard as a day can be, find one building block for the next day, and then it's two, and then it's three, and then you're on your way. But believing in yourself is just is so important because we're all very good people and innately strong, but sometimes we just have, have to believe in ourselves when others aren't there to do so. Well, my recommendation for you, for your book, whether self-published or published with others, is make sure that you get other published authors to write little things on the back mm -hmm. cover for you. And yep. I want if you give me the honor, well, oh, I'm, I'm going to write one to you about staying true to yourself and, mm -hmm. and that you are definitely who you've always been. So, 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 so important these days. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And then as we're getting to the end of our interview, time always mm -hmm. goes so fast. It really it does. does. Super fast. I always ask the footprint in the sand question, which is sort of a legacy question. So mm -hmm. 
So mm -hmm. thinking about where you are and the work that you've done and what you have yet to do, you know, by the time, obviously we hope this will be way, way in the future, that you mm -hmm. would leave this planet, what do you hope that you would be remembered for and what type of impact are you hoping to leave here in this, in this world? I think the first, if I had to use just one word, it would be positivity. Um, because I think the world needs so much of it. Um, and then it's if through the positivity revolution, people can see a difference and we raise the awareness together and people know that and people, this world changes in a better way. That to me would be a great legacy. And, and that's what we need to do. And, and I wake up every day and, you know, my wife laughs. She's like, you never do anything easy. Um, and I, and I, cause I just say to her every day, I wake up every day saying, I want to change the world today. That's all I want to do. If I can just reach one person, hopefully two, hopefully three, but if I can just reach one person every day, it's all I want to do to change the world. So I hope that people will remember that as well and that we do change the world and that we do come together as one and start respecting each other and living and being kind, just gen, you know, basic kindness to each other and looking out for each other because, you know, we don't hear that in the press. You only hear the negativity and, and that. So if we can break that and get people thinking and just people know that I was a part of that, that'll make me really happy. Oh, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So talk to us about this event that's coming up, your athletic event. What are you training for? What is that about? So, so training for the Paralympic trials. And so it's, it's been a really interesting um, aspect of it. Um, I started back to the gym a little bit of about, let's see, almost a year and a half ago. Okay. Because um, I hadn't been in a gym in eight years with all yeah. the surgery. And so I had to start back again with like, no, no weight all the way to. So I'm now squatting 350 pounds and I am uh, leg pressing 650 pounds. Wow. And, you know, yeah. And, and just really the heavy lifting is in the last year. Uh, so competing a, a, to get to the trials, you know, for, for the Paralympics, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a hard journey in the sense of breaking into the circuit, but the, the, the challenge of everyone saying you can't do this and I'm 52 and you're too old and you'll never walk again. And I just like keep telling me this cause it's that determination. Yeah. So I love, I love the, the, the workouts. I mean, it's the first was getting learning to walk again and then it was getting my health back, yeah. you know, after all that sitting and all those things. And, and so it was getting that strength. So it was the same determination of one more step. It was one more pound. And so I keep pushing towards that. So there would be nothing, uh, it would mean more to me than representing our country, you know, in, in, in the Paralympics. And hopefully it's it's coming up in two years. And if not, it'll be four for sure. And uh, they're like, you're pushing this really fast because um, I'm just motivated. And when you sit in pain for 19 years and I just, um, I don't know, I'm pain free. And I just, I want to make the most of every time I go to the gym and every day because I sat for so long and now yeah. that's I just, I'm so motivated to, to make the most of every day because I love life. I love every day. And it's just like, okay, what can I do to better myself today? And what can I do to help someone today and, and really enjoy things? So, but my goal is really the Paralympics because that's the ultimate, you know, in terms of age and everything. And um, I will get there and I have no doubt and that I'd be incredibly proud of. I love that you you talking about this. I recently just found a picture. It was of my mother 10 years ago. She was 67 at the time. And she mm -hmm. had just won a senior uh, or silver medal in the senior Olympics. And 
um, my daughter was a little baby who is now 10 and she was holding her with her silver medal. And oh. my mom had suffered from RA and all sorts of illnesses and things like that. And, you know, got back to it and damn it, she did. She, she did what she wanted to do. So I have no doubt that you're going to go in there and kick butt. We're going to be rooting for yeah. you here at the revolution. So oh, I appreciate that. And, yeah. and just, and that's the ultimate for people to see, because if you believe in yourself, I truly believe you can do anything you can in your do life. Anything. Yeah, it's, it's really kind of taking that first step, I always say, because if you're in a bad relationship or you're stuck at a bad job and it's like, well, how do I move forward? And, you know, I hear this all the time and family members and like, you got to take that first step. Yep. And so for, for all of us, it's, it's that motivation to do it because if you really want something and, you know, we get so used to living in certain situations that it becomes the norm and we're okay with the norm, but there's no happiness in our hearts. And, and that's where I always tell people just take that first step. And that's the most important thing to, to fulfill your life because we all deserve to be happy. We all should be happy. And so you got to do the things that, that, that can be hard initially to, again, to get back and to find the things that feed your soul and, and be happy and thrive in life. I love it. I love it, my friend. So all of you here listening on the inner revolution, a lot of little nuggets that we can take away from this amazing episode today. I love the idea of feeding your soul, getting back to the things that you once loved that for some reason, whether it's your disability, your illness, chronic condition, your mental health, relationship status, whatever might be the case that you have somehow gotten away from the things that you love. Colin is reminding us to get back to those, find our passion, feed our soul. The other thing is, is we can do whatever we want to do. We just have to move. We have to get up. We have to get off those couches. We have to get off our literal behinds and stop making excuses. No matter how much pain we're in, no matter what, there's always someone out there who can help us modify those things and get back into a higher quality of life. It just takes us getting out there and actually making ourselves vulnerable. So these are amazing, amazing techniques and ideas that you've talked with us today, my friend. Um, if anyone wants to reach out to you, how can they go ahead and reach you? So I have a website, it's colinqpotts.com, so C-O-L-I-N, middle initial Q, P-O-T-T-S.com, and that's the same thing for Instagram, um, Facebook, Twitter, and that, and I'm happy to help anyone, and if I can certainly, we'll make the time to, if you reach out to, to respond, and, and that's, that's how we start all this, and, and you know, people always say, what can I do for you in return? I'm like, just go help the next person. Just yeah. go help someone today. I don't want anything. I just need you to go believe in this, to spread the word, to go help someone today. Yeah, and those of you who are listening, if you're looking to book a speaker who can help motivate those with disabilities, the elderly, what have you, this is your person. So we'll go ahead and put his information on our radio page. Feel free to reach out to him, get him booked for your particular event. And Colin, thank you so much for being here with us today. I truly, truly appreciate you. Thank you. Oh, well. Thank you. I, I appreciate the opportunity and, and getting to know you is, is really, you know, people ask you, well, what's, what's great about this in, in the sense of what do you enjoy the most? And I love meeting people and people who fascinate me and, and what you do mm -hmm. to motivate people and, and give them clarity in their lives when they're struggling. So um, I, I feel like I feel in many ways we were supposed to meet and, you know, it's, it's funny how these things happen, but I really appreciate the opportunity to speak. Oh, thank you. But we're going to make our fan club. Those of us who found our purpose through pain, we're going to have t-shirts. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I love it. Purpose <laughs> through pain. Absolutely. So, well, thank you, my friend. Thank and for you. 
Yes, absolutely. You're welcome here on the End of Revolution show anytime. Great. Appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you. And everyone here in the In a Revolution, this is Dr. Renee and for Colin Potts, we welcome you back next week for another amazing show. As I said earlier, we are going to be kicking off several shows here over the next month, highlighting individuals who have overcome adversity, disabilities, other limitations in their life to go on and lead an absolute amazing life, giving back and gifting to the world through their service. So remember to get out and give back. This is Dr. Renee. I'll talk to you next week. Thank you for listening to the Inner Revolution Radio Show. If you haven't already done so, check us out on iTunes. And also check out our website at www.transcendentheart.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at Dr. Renee One Life. Have yourself an amazing week.